0: Welcome, you're at OTR, Over the Rainbow, Achieving Mental Health for Real. This show is about real people battling real mental issues and experts with tips to help in the battle. If you want to know more, please check out the trailer. Your host is Bob Adelman and his notes about today's episode follows. Jenna Ashlyn is my guest today. She had suffered sexual abuse throughout her childhood beginning at 4 years old. She lived on a farm in Ohio, and the young farm workers and the preacher's son would assault her. After losing her husband at 30, she wrote the books Within the Gray and Sheila's Men. After the death of her husband, she remarried someone who also abused her physically and sexually. Listen to her story, which includes her battle with PTSD and her road to recovery. Here is Bob now with the interview.
1: Hello, Jenna. How are you? Welcome to the show.
0: Hi, thanks for having me.
1: Could you tell uh, the listeners a little bit about yourself?
2: Yes, I am a mother of three crazy teenagers, a published author, a survivor, and an advocate.
1: I guess we should start with your survival um, process. Um, was this? I take it it was a. Um, you were married. How did that go?
2: Um, that didn't go well at all. Um, <laughs> I. <laughs> um, Although that's a pretty common thing. My situation is a little bit different. I've been married a few times and um, I had, whenever I met this guy, I had just lost my husband to a heart attack and I was only 30 years old. And so my wits weren't really completely about, about me, you know? (laughs) So it was a very difficult time. And I had made a friend because there were so many guys just kind of coming out of the woodwork and they wouldn't really leave me alone. And it was, definitely a difficult situation, and somebody that I thought was just a friend ended up uh, pressuring me a lot for a relationship, and it ended up being one, and I felt that, you know, maybe I'm just not ready, and I gave myself a lot of excuses to kind of ignore all the red flags mm-hmm. that he was giving me, and eventually we ended up being married, and it just kind of slowly progressed into a very narcissistic um mentally abusive and sexually abusive situation it was it was really rough there for a while
1: now your first husband did he abuse you in any way
2: um the one that passed away he was not abusive okay at all
1: okay did you have any history of abuse growing up at all
2: um yes very much so there was a lot of there was a lot of situations involving um, sexual molestation and neglect. We were um, very, very poor. We didn't have a whole lot. And those situations, because the sexual molestation lasted for the majority of my childhood, probably from the time I was four years old until I was about 11.
1: And who was that by? Was that your father,
2: stepfather? Um, um, they were from... Um, multiple different people that were outside of the family
1: okay and
2: we grew up on a farm out in the country and there was um, a lot of uh, older teenage boys that were around and helping out on the farm and stuff and there was a boy that was the pastor's son at a church that we went to as well
1: okay so those teenagers were the ones that first uh, took advantage of you
2: um, yes, I was a lot younger than they were. Most of them were at least five to six years older than me. Okay.
1: So this started at four years old, you're saying,
2: right? Yes.
1: Okay. And d- did you think of telling your parents at all? Or
2: I did tell my parents eventually. And once I kind of figured out what was going on and that things weren't right, I remember actually I had said something at school because I didn't want to be home alone because some of the neighborhood boys and stuff would be stopping by. I don't even really remember the situation, but it kind of tipped them off and they ended up calling child protective services.
1: Okay. That, then and the, that's
2: when things started coming out.
1: Okay. And, and then it all stopped. I take it
2: from that point. Um, it stopped um, in one section of my life, but as far as like the church related one, it actually picked up after that. So it was a pretty steady onslaught for, for most of my life. So that was kind of what I got used to knowing and it became a way of life because whenever I was in my early developmental stages, that's all I really knew.
1: Sounds very very bad. Um, So it was always a situation where you couldn't really do anything about it or.
2: I didn't. I wasn't able to do anything about it either. I didn't know. And then as I got older, people didn't believe me because I was a very imaginative uh, little girl. And I was a writer at a very young age. So that meant that I read a lot of books. I wrote a lot of things. And they just said that I had a very active imagination and that I was imagining all
1: of it. Oh, boy. Okay, and and then you got married at what age your first marriage was? I was 18. 18, and that went until 18 to 30 years old?
2: Uh, No, no, not at all. Um, Oh, I'm sorry. No, I was divorced at 21 and remarried at uh, 23, and um, then I stayed with him for a few years, and that's, the marriage that my children came from and then um, he they were both very abusive the first was was very mentally abusive and then the second one made some really bad decisions and um, he ended up being um, physically abusive to the children so um, I tried to get him help and he went through anger management and parenting classes and he did not show any kind of change and I feared for the safety of my myself and my children. So mm-hmm. um, I ended up moving on and then I actually had a good relationship and he ended up dying of a heart attack.
1: Okay. And so that brings us to when you were 30? Uh,
2: yeah, and that was when the major one happened. Okay. Everything just kind of kept getting worse. I had like a little bit of a break in there and then um, the last one was was really really bad.
1: Now, what What would he do? Um, do you want to talk about that? Or...
2: Um. At first, you know, he was willing to be my friend, and then it got to the point where I was very much pressured into a relationship. He was telling me that he loved me, and I told him that I wasn't ready for a relationship, and I told him that I wasn't ready to say that I loved him. And eventually, I just kind of gave in. Because I was feeling guilty because at the time he seemed like a good person. <sighs> but as time grew on, I he would get very angry if I mentioned the husband that had passed away. He would become very violent. It started out with um, throwing silverware across the house. And then it moved to the point of being shoved up against walls. And I'd have to check in with him every time that I went somewhere and send like photographic evidence. I'd have to take a picture of where I was. Um, or do a live um, video chat with him or something like that. So he could tell where I was and that I was really at the grocery store. I was really at my mom's yeah. and it got to the point where a lot of things that he, he wasn't really good at, at understanding the word now. Mm-hmm.
1: Okay. Okay. So it was just a lot of abuse over how, how long did you stay with him?
2: it was 9 years in
1: total. 9 years. Okay. And then what happened? What did you get a um, divorce or what happened?
2: I I did get a divorce. It was I, there was not a lot of support in the area where we live, so there wasn't a lot of options for me to be able to leave and I have three kids and he had one and I was the one that was taking care of everything and taking care of our home, and there was nowhere for me and the kids to go.
1: What state and were you in, can I ask Ohio. Uh, oh, okay. Go ahead, I'm sorry.
2: I live in middle of nowhere, Ohio, and there's just not any resources. I didn't have family that could take in me and three kids. Um, so that made it very, very difficult.
1: Where did your family live?
2: They were close by, but they didn't have the room, and they wouldn't take us in. All I really had was my mom and she okay. was in a new marriage and living in a very small house and it wasn't it just was not possible.
1: so how did he react to the divorce? you just told them that you're leaving or
2: um it it didn't go well at all, and i it was whenever it came to whenever I woke up enough. From all of the trauma from my husband dying, um and I started to feel things again because there for a while I didn't and that's actually whenever I started writing my first book. I started writing within the gray as a way of of remembering him, and it's very much about when um he passed away. That's where the book starts is is his death, and I kind of wrote out everything that I wanted and needed. For myself at that time and so I was living in that world as I wrote within the gray through emails to myself quite literally wherever I could find an opportunity to write because I was working 50 60 hours a week an hour and a half from home for and I did that for six months and then I still continued up with basically the same schedule and as I was writing I started to really heal and I started to wake up and realize what was going on and i think the turning point and in trying to figure out how to get out came whenever i was tucking in my youngest in bed one night and she looked up at me and she said mommy i want a new daddy <sighs> and i wanted so much to be able to give her that and it wasn't really possible at that time and it was Uh, it's heart-wrenching to think about because I still remember it like it was yesterday. And that let me know that that was affecting a whole lot more than just me. (laughs) And so I started trying to, to save money and put money back and try to find a way out. And I told the kids, I was like, you know, we're, we're going to get away from this situation I would take them to the grocery store with me on my days off. And that was their opportunity to just kind of vent and talk about how they were feeling and what was going on in their heads. And, you know, I told them, I was like, okay, you know, you guys are going to have to start looking and and learning how to, you know, cook a little bit for yourselves. You're going to have to be able to do your own laundry. And those were like the only things, you know, that I could think of at the time. I was like, you've really got to know how to do this stuff that way. I could leave and they would still be okay because they were um, starting to be old enough to be able to take care of themselves and be left alone at that time. So there was a lot that went into it. And eventually, eventually whenever I started approaching him and I had made enough preparations, it was psychological warfare. And there were Mm -hmm. a lot of things that, that happened in between to get to that point, but it was, a battle every day and there were battles that I won and there were many battles that I lost but in the end I won the war and I was able to escape and get him to leave which he didn't leave until after the divorce was final the day that we went to court um, after everything was said and done that's whenever he um, finally pulled out of the driveway and left
1: how long the time did it, did it take to get a divorce
2: from the point of wanting a divorce and understanding what was going on until it actually happened, I'd say is probably about four or five years. It was a long time. Mm. Mm.
1: And do you think the kids were getting abused in any way?
2: Um, there was psychological and there was some physical abuse as well.
1: Okay. And he was hitting you as well, right?
2: He didn't physically hit me. He to rape me more than anything else. And um, a lot of sexual assault. It was I was being assaulted almost on a daily basis. And it didn't matter how many times I said no. It didn't matter how much I resisted. None of that mattered. So eventually I just learned to take it.
1: Hmm. Okay, so he finally left. Uh, How old were you when he left? I
2: was about thirty nine.
1: Okay. So what did you do what did you do next once he left?
2: Um in the process before he left I started healing. I started journaling and I started writing Sheila's men and just telling my truth. And that was really important for me because it helped me to see my own patterns of thought and the things that I needed to change about myself and recognize Everything that I had been through. So I began the healing process early, and that included a lot of journaling. And there was a therapist that I would message while I was at work. If I'm being honest, there was just not a whole lot of actual work happening at work because I was talking to a therapist every day. And then I had um, made a friend who was a psychology student, and I would actually spend most of the Evening, sometimes only getting a couple hours sleep before going back to work. Where I would have these long, very deep conversations and and uh, with him. And uh, where
1: did you re- meet? You met him at work. This person.
2: Um. Yes, he was a customer at work.
1: Okay. What did you do? Can I ask?
2: Um. I was. I managed a um very large jewelry store.
1: Oh, okay, and he was a customer, okay,
2: yes, he was a customer, and then, um we really bonded, and he helped me to make my own decisions and give he was just kind of a listening ear for a long time, and he had been through some abusive situations as well with his ex wife and had very much the impression that women are completely evil and wanted nothing to do with the relationship and I didn't either, but over time, you know, our conversations became less therapeutic and more personal and about a Mm. year and a half um, into getting to know him um, he and I started um, dating and we're getting married in June
1: Congratulations Um, Thank you So, you've been going out how long?
2: Um we've, years? We've been together for three years. We've known each other for five. Okay.
1: Okay. And he's very nice?
2: Yes. He is the perfect gentleman, and we've like lived okay. together for over a year and a half at this point, almost two years. And um, he is very empathetic, and we are able to have very deep conversations and come to a very deep understanding of each other. We were best friends before we were ever a couple.
1: Mm-hmm. That sounds really good. Um, did you ever uh, go and get any counseling um, at any point?
2: Um, yes, I've been in um, pretty consistent counseling. I started off whenever I was working before COVID hit. Um, I was doing most of that by um, text messages and phone calls um, through different uh, therapy centers. And then um, it moved to in-person um after that. But there was just a it, it was a lot of work to be able to enter into a relationship or to trust anyone. And even after we were dating, it was quite a long process and it required a lot of open communication. But now that I have escaped and and, and won that war that I was in, that complete and total psychological warfare, because there's really no other way of explaining it to where I am now mm-hmm. is Night and day difference. I'm a completely different person, and I'm able to be myself again, and able to be creative. and And my books are a testament to that, and they are a testament to my journey. Both of them are.
1: Mm-hmm. What is the first book? Is it just uh, about your life, The Shield of Men?
2: Um, Within the Gray was my first book, and it was the one that I okay. that I wrote in emails to myself, and it is about my survival after being widowed at a very young age. And it was everything that should have happened. She was men is what actually happened. And it goes through my okay. journey and shows my emotional state throughout the process and, and how I escaped step-by-step. Step. And it really goes through and reads like a nom- novel, but is very much a memoir. Mm-hmm.
1: Okay. I heard that you do, some social work. Um, do you want to talk about that?
2: Um, I wouldn't necessarily call it social work. I do a lot of advocacy for sexual assault survivors and domestic violence survivors. And I am a okay. listening ear, and I'm, I'm there to give them options and give them real-world advice as, as they are going through their own journey. And I, it's been very rewarding to help others to heal and to be able to find a way of escape as they go through their own journey. Okay. I'm actually on the, Christ, I volunteer for a rape crisis line, normally about once a week. Um, since the book released, that's been kind of rough for that to happen. I'm also a part of a lot of support groups on Facebook, and there's mm-hmm. a lot of people locally that reach out to me on a regular basis. Um, after I had left my abusive relationship, the reason I got started in advocacy is that the woman after me, who he had actually had an affair with her, and she became his next victim, I left the, that window of communication open. She was a good person, and she was unaware of a lot of things. And eventually she came to me, and she had some questions, and she needed to get out. And I was able to to help talk to her and let her see that there really was hope and a better life on the other side. And that was very rewarding. And so that was something that I most definitely pursued after that because I wanted to help others. I wanted to take the darkness in my life and it turn it into something good.
1: That sounds really good. That's kind of what I try to do. Um, you know, I've had a lot of depression and anxiety. Yeah. And on the show, I, I like to talk to people who have survived, um, you know, different depression. And were you ever diagnosed with any kind of a depression?
2: Um, I don't. Well, yes, I have um, PTSD, um, depression and anxiety. And as I was going through everything, there was a lot of trauma responses that they thought showed characteristics of both bipolar disorder and borderline personality disorder. But as time went on, mm-hmm. a lot of those symptoms disappeared because they were actually symptoms from the trauma that I was going through.
1: Okay. And so now you feel that you're in a very good place. And um, with your new husband, well, uh, fiance, right, um, you're going to just Move, or are you going to stay where you are? Are you going to a different place? To
2: live? Um, eventually, we plan to move, but there's a lot of things that we need to have in place before we do because it's going to be a big move. As of right now, I'm still living okay. in the same place, and you know that's okay. But every it is very difficult. While I've done gone through a lot of healing, I still have to look over my shoulder because he did engage in a lot of my abuser. Engaged in a lot of stalker activity there for a long time, um, probably a year or two, and I still have to look over my shoulder on a regular basis.
1: So he would stalk you at, at, at times. It I mean, he would try to follow you and stuff. Or how, how yes. did that go?
2: Yes, he would follow me, and I actually had to to leave my job because he was driving by and parking outside of where I worked and, and watching the place for several hours a day. And he would call and Mm -hmm. harass me at the store and he would call and harass my employees. I tried to get a protection order and I, they granted to me the temporary one and they said at first that I didn't have a case and I went back years later to try to get another one because he was still engaging in that activity. And I had the temporary one, but whenever it went to court, he got a lawyer and they actually denied it to me because I was talking to um, the woman that had just left him and they tried to view it like it was some kind of setup. But I was trying to be an advocate and help someone else. And because I cared about someone else other than myself, mm-hmm. they kicked it out of court.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay. Does he still bother you now? or that's what
2: He hasn't for a while. Um, I actually, I went and I bought a gun, and I got my concealed carry permit, and I made it known around town and open-carried it for a while. That way, people would be aware that I had it, and that way, it would kind of get back to him, and now he hasn't bothered me.
1: <laughs> okay. That's, that's good. You've got protection. Um,
2: I mean, that's a crazy way of having to do it, but yeah, it was one of those, hey... You know, I used to be afraid of guns, but I've educated myself and I'm going to be able to protect myself if you try to attack me. Kind of a situation. Sure.
1: Do you want to talk about, um, you, you know, what you're doing right now? You, you, I, do you have a new job? And
2: um, I actually just had a job interview today and um, I got a new job and I've, I'm very excited about it because oh, I have an assistant manager's position in another retail location, and that's going to be really great. Because I had to leave my job because of this situation, and then COVID right. hit, and that didn't help. So,
1: no, it didn't help. Um, I've
2: been unemployed for quite some time.
1: Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Um, is your fiancé does he work? Uh...
2: Um, he is um, in this. He is. In the master's program for psychology, and he's huh. um, working towards graduating with his bachelor's. And he's already about halfway through with that. And whenever he graduates with his master's, we plan on relocating um, several states okay. away.
1: So during COVID, uh, you didn't you didn't have a lot of money at that point. Um, mm-hmm.
2: No, it's been quite a journey, but it was it was okay because even though we didn't have a lot of money and we still don't have a lot of money, you know, life is so much better. It's so much brighter Mm -hmm. and it's been more than worth it.
1: Yeah. I mean, money is not everything. Um, I mean, you need enough to eat and be comfortable, but um, so if there is someone out there that gets in a situation like you were in, uh, what kind of advice would you give them on how to get out of that, of that situation?
2: Where there's a will, there's a way. There is a way out. There's always a way out. You need to, But most of all, you need to believe yourself because if you're feeling that you're in an abusive situation and that you're not tr- being treated right, then most of the time you're going to be accurate. That's going to be accurate. You need to believe yourself and you need to believe in yourself. There's a lot of crisis centers around the country, and they can at the and a lot of different places that you can go, and they can give you advice. At the very most, leave a paper trail. Let people know what's going on. Let trusted people know what's happening. And if I had to do it over again, I would have left sooner, even if that meant that we would have been leaving living on the streets because my kids would have been better off. Because you have to remember that you're not the only one going through this. Even if they never see it, they can feel it and they know.
1: And your kids, like um, your fiancé, they have a good relationship?
2: Yes, they do. Very much so. Okay.
1: That's good. Um, All right. So you have how many books now?
2: I have two books. The first one is called Within the Gray and the second one is titled Sheila's Men. And you can find those wherever okay. books are sold with the easiest always being Amazon. I'm, right. If anybody wants to talk to me or have questions or anything, I'm easy to find on all of social media. And if all else fails, just Google author Jenna Ashlyn. And I have a pretty decent presence there. The, I am most active on Facebook under uh, facebook.com author Jenna Ashlin, And that's probably the easiest way to reach me that goes straight to my phone okay. and I answer it almost immediately.
1: Okay. I mean, that sounds great. I'm so happy that you you got out of that bad relationship and into a good relationship. And, you know, I wish you all the luck in the world as far as your future. Uh, it sounds like you're on track and you're actually helping other people, which is great. Um, so
2: I, I want to be there for people yes. because there wasn't really anybody there for me and I don't feel like anybody should go through this alone cuz most of all what I want people to know through my books and and through interviews like this one is that there is a brighter future for you on the other side and that you can overcome this and you don't have to live in that bondage forever there is a better life out there for you.
1: Right that's a good message. I hope everybody listening um You know, understand that and get some help because there's a lot of help out there. You know, I'm I'm very glad that we had this conversation so I can have this. So for someone that might be in a similar situation and, uh, you know, you would have that um, knowledge on how to help them if they wanted to reach out to you. So that would be really good.
2: Absolutely. I would really love to talk to people.
1: It was really great talking to you. You can just send me those links for the books, and we'll put that in. And if there's nothing else, then I think we're you know we're good. Um, it was it was a pleasure talking to you. Okay. All right, ha- have a have a great day and uh, take care.
2: Thanks for having me. I appreciate it.